Hey, Craig. Hey, Jeff. I mean, normally, you know, I don't normally sing a song for these ones. But it's going to feel like a long, ep- a real episode, though. So, I, but I, <laughs> but don't, I don't, don't let, too don't, much don't, to talk about. Don't let you guys think that I'm going to have a song. But I will tell you, this is Podcast Versus Everyone, and I'm Craig Powers. And with me is yeah, Jeff Newser. That's this me. Is, this is our Utah football game preview but <laughs> ostensibly I don't know, ostensibly but i don't know if you guys noticed it was also the early signing period yes. uh, this week uh, where most recruiting classes are comp- like signed at this point i mean wsu has signed most of the recruiting class um and then we're also i mean we're hoops nerds kooks yep. have a game probably today when you're listening to this against montana state which is actually probably their most intriguing game of the rest of the non-conference schedule so we're going to talk about that so i I don't usually do a kind of agenda like that but you guys just got one yeah Um, so we give them a rundown at the top I know, so they know what's That's a little too professional, Craig. I know. What the hell is wrong with me? I've been. It's not not nearly shitty enough for our show. I know. I was listening to like some more professionally produced podcasts today, (laughs) so I guess I am just feeling more professional. You know. What if I like actually threw in like some intro music? at the beginning when i edit it <laughs> everyone's all confused everyone you know? will be like what the hell is this someday i should probably just like record myself singing a permanent theme song and then you just throw <laughs> that on the front and then i don't have to go every week and figure one out <laughs> try to figure out what you're gonna sing like is it like a permanent like unique theme song so is it like yeah i would make it about up. podcast versus everyone or yeah like, i would make it up or is and, it just going like i love basketball i love basketball i love basketball well that would be a that would be podcast unique. versus everyone that would be a unique thing that would be a that would be a, <laughs> a unique uh if i did that well thanks for now i can't do that you have <laughs> unless you want to let me borrow your ip i don't know i just i just ruined it sorry there are well, no you, more good ideas. You, you, that you was the last one. You didn't yell copyright, copyright right after, so <laughs> I can steal it. I can steal it for your podcast. So. Yeah, you could. You All could. Right. Well, yeah. well, you crushed that signing day coverage. I didn't Woo! do jack. I didn't do jack shit. I do. I am just you know. There are yeah. too many damn previews to write during when we yeah. have football games and we have yeah. Those previews games. aren't going to write themselves, man. Those, it, those, they're definitely not going to read themselves either. So please read my previews. <laughs> I spend a lot of time on them. I, I know they're way too long, but I don't care. Like, yeah. They're mostly for me. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, I think the biggest news, because we have talked this signing class, to this, I mean, this class to death. Sure. And I, I, obviously, so the biggest news when you're actually on the day is the surprises of which yep. there were a couple there were a couple and then the guys that didn't sign of which there yep. were uh, there was one one yeah. so we can talk about those uh we'll just say the guy the one guy that didn't sign is Sion Nunali um yeah i don't know what we want to say about that but <laughs> well apparently it's a it's an academics thing yeah. they're both sort of taking a wait and see approach both sides um, which doesn't shock me. Like when I looked, I was like, well, why didn't he sign? And I'm looking and I, I don't have a, I don't have a Coug fan subscription. And, and apparently they alluded to it Tuesday night. So good for them. That's awesome. They put it on the premium board, which I can't see. So, um, but I, I did hear from somebody who did see it, that it, it appeared to be an academics thing, which not wholly surprising given, uh, when I went to try to figure it out, I went to his 
profile page and looked and his offer sheet was still us and a whole bunch of Mountain West. And this is a guy who is like our fifth or sixth rated guy in the class, like pretty yeah. high. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, well, that some sometimes that's a situation where, you know, a guy commits early and then everyone else uh, like like it just like he commits early. He doesn't bother retweeting all the other offers or whatever. And so, you know, you just you never know who else is offered. Right. Like all this stuff is based off of self reporting. Uh, but in this case, it seems like perhaps all those uh, the the lack of power five offers is uh, perhaps tied to uh, perhaps tied to his academic situation. So, you know, hopefully he gets that squared away. We certainly could use uh, another big uh, outside receiver, which is what he would be six to uh, like one ninety five. Uh, we ended up, you know, obviously the top recruit in the class was CJ Moore, uh, former four star wide receiver, six five. Uh, listed at 175. I don't know if that's what he actually is, but um, but that's what he's listed at. Uh, big tall guy, uh, you know, pretty fast, but but mostly like he, uh, gosh, he reminds me when I watch him. He reminds me so much of Tavares Martin. Um, obviously taller. We're talking you know, CJ Moore right now. Just yeah, just just to so, specify. No, sorry, you're not you're, so, not, ta- you're not talking about Sion Nunali. No, sorry. I just wanted to make so sure CJ Moore, yeah. you know, excited for him. Uh, you know, six five, fast. Uh, you know, kind of a long strider, but real smooth, kind of gliding running gait. So yeah, like kind of reminds me of Tavares uh, Tavares Martin, but bigger. Um, and then the other outside receiver we signed was a kid from Hawaii, uh, who was a member of the class of twenty twenty. Uh, Dijon Stribling, at least I assume that's how you pronounce it, uh, <laughs> did not sign with anybody last year. Um, again, you know, probably a safe bet. There's a little bit of academics involved there. Uh, he was sort of assumed to be heading to Rolovich and Hawaii. And then, you know, of course, Rolovich leaves. Um, he never ends up at Hawaii and ends up signing with us this year. So, again, uh, a bit of a of an academics assumption uh, seems to me to be you know just kind of reading the tea leaves seems to me to be an insurance policy against uh, you know Nunnally's perhaps uh, academic situation where uh, they want to make sure to at least get two big wide receivers uh, the one they missed out on of course was uh, Joseph Manjack who yep. uh, ended up flipping to USC God damn it but I can't blame the kid I mean if you if you're a wide receiver right now. And USC wants you like, how do you say no to that? Yeah. Like you can't say no to that. Like you're like, hell yeah. You're, like, you're not only, you're not only in the air raid, you're at USC. Like, yeah. It's, uh, you get kind of the best of both worlds there. If you're, if you're a wide receiver. So, uh, so can't blame that kid for, for wanting to do that. But you know, it was, it was pretty clear they were pursuing, um, some bigger receivers. I mean, obviously right now our wide receivers, uh, are, are, are fairly small. Yeah. Um, you know, the, all, the, all under six feet. Yeah. The starting, the starting four, this year before uh, before, you know, Jackson got hurt uh, was, you know, like four guys, six feet and below. So um, I think it was pretty clear from looking at this, this recruiting class that they were pretty intent on adding a couple of bigger bodies. Um, it's not that there aren't bigger bodies on the roster. There definitely are. But obviously they're not making, uh, you know, they're not making the impact that, that they're maybe the coaching staff would like. So definitely wanted to bulk up on some bigger guys. There's also some, some smaller guys, uh, Orion Peters. Um, and then I'm totally drawing a blank on the kid we flipped from Fresno State, but Joshua Meredith. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, so basically, two outside, two inside is what they signed, and you know that that's that you know seems like a solid approach. Uh, 
you know, like I said, I, I think that Stribling was a little bit of an insurance policy maybe against against Nunnally, and they ended up, you know, signing 19 guys. So uh, we haven't even talked about the the big surprise, the good kid that, that we got. Um, he's not a four-star, but I think he's a guy who, uh, you know, will be playing sooner rather than later for sure. Yeah. Before we get to him, I do want one more thing about the receivers. It's interesting to me. Um, we we noticed that uh, Rolovich carried at Utah this roughly the same amount of receivers as Leach did uh, at WSU. Um, but what we've seen is they don't rotate them out like Leach does. So it's kind of interesting that they sign these like full roster, like yeah. a full starting set of receivers, yep. Yep. like in a in a class. So either that's a strategy every year, which you look at the Hawaii roster, it very well could be. Or they really aren't feeling good about the you know the younger guys in there. Yeah, so, that they well, have. Well, the right thing now. looking at the Hawaii roster was you never know which of those guys are on scholarship and which are mm-hmm. walk-ons, right? Like yeah. from the outside. I mean, obviously, I would think you know anybody who follows the program would kind of know. Like we can look at the WCU roster and go, okay, you know, these guys are the scholarship guys and these guys are walk-ons. Um, the Hawaii guys, you know, I don't know about you, but I looked at them and went, I, I have no idea which of these guys yeah, actually absolutely. have been signed. Yeah. So, um, so it's, it's always tough to know if, um, you know, if he has signed a pile of guys or if he just has a pile of guys for, you know, a bunch of walk-ons for practice purposes. But, um, you obviously here, you know, sign, signing four guys in a class is, you know, it's basically taking a starting set <laughs> in one class. So, um, still, still loading up on receivers did mention in one of his interviews, uh, that, that they were intent on, you know, adding, adding more receivers, adding more weapons. So, um, yeah, I, I, I tend to think the la- that it's the latter of what mm-hmm. you said, which yeah. is maybe not super satisfied with what's already on the roster. So, yeah. And, and I guess, you know, now one more point on the roster construction here. Uh, we're so used to Leach signing five offensive linemen every yeah. single time, and there are two on here, which is kind of more normal. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, like, teams don't usually carry, like, you know, 15 <laughs> like, offensive linemen on their yeah. roster. Yeah. Uh, or 18 that we've had at a time. So th- this is more normal. Although, again, we did see that Rolovich did, but again, we didn't know if they were all on scholarship or not. But so this is probably a more normal uh, recruiting class in terms of an offensive line uh, construction. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. <laughs> Suddenly we won't have yeah. uh, a million offensive linemen on the roster. But well, one, one, yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I mean, when you've already got a million guys on the roster yeah, and they're all getting another year of eligibility. Yep. Um, and a lot of the guys who were on the roster were sort of projects to begin with. Right. Like, yep. um, and that's, that's kind of where Leach went and, and Mason Miller went, um, you know, recruiting, you know, guys who needed time to get bigger, um, guys who needed, you know, maybe to get not necessarily more athletic. That, that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but you know, guys who just kind of maybe need to grow into their body a little bit, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then sometimes you, know, you stumble on an a Lucas. So. Yeah. You know? And so, <laughs> Uh, Fafita seems to be the guy who maybe fits into that mold. Um, you know, he got a a lot bigger, holy crap from his, uh, freshman year to this year, his redshirt freshman year. Uh, 
he uh, he went from I think he was two forty or two fifty to now he's three hundred. Yeah, <laughs> so that seems like, impossible. But that seems I mean, impossible. I've but definitely it's not. I've definitely gained that much weight in a year before, but definitely not the type <laughs> of weight that you're supposed to gain. Not the good kind of weight. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so super athletic kid there, you know, so my guess is, you know, that they just kind of looked at the fact that they've got, you know, 20 freaking offensive linemen on the roster and just went, you know, we, we probably don't need to take a whole bunch, What they did take a whole bunch of was defense, right? They took yeah, a whole bunch particularly of particularly the front seven. Yeah. And it, I guess I get front seven, front six. I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's a four, six, four yeah. two, five. So I guess yeah, it's front six, front six. Yeah. but it's defensive linemen and linebackers. They took nine guys. Uh, yeah. They're either profile as defensive linemen or linebackers, um, which, again, you know, you can usually say that's a pretty good indicator of how they feel about what's um, already on the roster. You know, they they loaded up on defensive backs last year. That was that yep. was obviously a big emphasis. Um, and so this year, the big emphasis was, you know, pass rushers, uh, linebackers. It uh, doesn't seem to be a lot of interior guy, guys that profile as interior guys. Yeah, um, just one, on this probably. yeah maybe two if you you could see probably maybe yeah a couple of the guys you also in. never really they know who they tall though yeah you, know? you like, never know who they think they're gonna add 50 pounds to yeah that's like true. that's that's the hard part you know i mean for example the kid they saw the kid they got uh committed Carell, uh right before signing day who ends up signing i mean he's 6'4 250 already so you know they may look at that guy and go eh, Maybe we can, you know, yeah. pump him up 40 pounds and make him an interior lineman. So, um, you know, you never really know what what exactly they're going to do with guys. I mean, last year, I mean, I think about this, obviously not the same position, but last year, uh, Marshawn Buchanan was assumed to be the running back in the class. And now he's playing wide receiver. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just you, you never freaking know what coaches think. Um, they're going to do with a guy, but, but I know right now, like basically Dickert talked about how th their philosophy as far as trying to find pass rushers is, you know, maybe find some guys who have been linebackers and then beef those guys up to then be pass rushers. Um, I, I'm thinking of, uh, Falatea, the, the linebacker from, from Utah uh -huh. who they signed, uh, they, they, they profile him as, as, as an edge rusher. So, um, so I know they, they just, they really want to, I think, get deeper there. Um, one of those guys obviously was the, who we alluded to earlier was the, uh, the late, the late commitment, the late signing Gavin Bartil. So yes. I'm actually really excited about yeah. him. Um, I know they, they say he's an outside linebacker. I could definitely see him moving to inside. Yeah. Uh, big kid, physical kid, uh, pretty fast, not like super fast. So, so he, so right now our outside linebacker is Jihad Woods. Um, he's not as fast as Jihad Woods, but he's bigger. Uh, a little more physical. And like I said, yeah, I, you it could would not shock him. me if they bulked him up and put him in the middle. Yeah, you could see him 240 by the yep. time, you know, by the time yep. he's a junior. Yep. This Just when you in. look at him. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he yeah definitely... so exciting kid. Really good get on signing day. He he was our third, our third highest third, recruit in the third class. Highest rated recruit. So, yeah. So that, you know, that it's, it's always, we, we were kind of convinced they were done for a while because, but they got a couple commits right at the end, and then they got a, a couple um, surprise signings on signing day as well. So, yeah. um, I think that was mostly you know guys drop. I mean, we had four D commitments yeah, in the last yep, month, yep. and then the commitments we had were basically those guys. And then if you assume Nunnally is maybe not going to make it, you know, then that yeah. then the Stribling signing makes even more sense. Um, so it it just seemed like they were pretty set on the eighteen nineteen range for this yeah. class where it was like, okay, they didn't, they didn't add anybody to the class until somebody dropped out. Um, right. and so they finished with 19, 
that leaves them six spots to to play with. And you know they they did mention definitely going to uh, go find a running back somewhere, which which. Yes, <laughs> they yeah, definitely need definitely to. Definitely need to do that. Yeah, I mean, you've got, you know, Dion McIntosh, Max Borgie, and then Javensley Bazile. Uh, Bazile, they obviously don't feel Is massively ready. confident in because yeah. he's barely played in. Now, granted, he's we've played, only played three games, but he's had he made, one carry. Yeah, one carry. Sort of. A disastrous carry. <laughs> Like that didn't even count as a carry, did it? Because I don't even the ball know. never well, got in his hands. Well, so, yeah, I guess it was Dolores fumble. So yeah, it wasn't so so that poor guy. Uh, you know, so obviously they don't. You know, they're not sure what they have there. Um, and then the other running backs are, you know, Clay Markoff and uh, and Cole Dubots. I think I, I'm guessing Dubots opted out this year because we just haven't seen him at all, yeah. unless he's been in on special teams. I haven't noticed, but anyway, it's it's McIntosh and Borgie and. So definitely need to add a running back. And then other than that, it sounds like they're going to, I think, do what is the smart thing and, and leave, you know, five or so scholarships open to check in on the transfer portal. Cause yeah. there's going to be tons and tons of guys who yep. are going to get squeezed out and be looking for spots. And, you know, and, and there's going to be, um, it, it sounds like guys who transfer are going to be eligible right away. So, you know, there's going to be hope. some guys <laughs> at high. What's that? One would hope. Yeah. 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 We would hope. <laughs> Uh, so it sounds like there's gonna be guys who you know probably get squeezed out at bigger programs. Guys who are talented, uh, who can impact or a even program like ours. And guys at smaller programs, like yeah, I, who want to come up. Yep, who want to come up or or you know, there's not every school's gonna want to pay for the extra scholarships. To sure, be honest, like yep. So there's gonna be kids out there. You know, we talked about that. Like, there's definitely gonna be like leftover talent from this yep. class just because of the nature of like WSU already has we know Renard Bell, Jihad Woods, um and two other uh Justice Rogers and one other I can't remember who who have who are seniors who are coming back next year. Yeah. I think George Hicks said he was coming back. Yeah, that's the other one, Hicks. Yeah. So that's it's already four kids. Um, obviously, uh, I mean, look, if you played in this season and there were only four games, like, like, would you be like, yeah, I'm good. No, I'm moving on. No way. And, and plus, like, <laughs> like, I mean, I Calvin mean, really. Jackson played four games last year. Yeah. And redshirted. And then so. he played one game this year. Yeah. Like that poor fucking guy. Like, come on. Like, I, so he's sticking around. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, I just, I can't imagine any senior going through this year and feeling like that was a satisfactory end to my college career. I mean, if guys are definitely pros, then maybe, right? But like, how many guys are that like that are on this roster? Like maybe one, and he's a running back, and we all know how running backs are valued in the well, in, probably NFL. Abe so, too. yeah, yeah, that's true. That that's probably fair. Is Abe Lucas maybe as well? Um, but but that's that's I mean that's it, right? Yeah. So, um, so I, yeah, I can't Max imagine would be most the one these, that you would think might not come come back next year he's the right. one guy that i'm like uh, other than the seniors who are just like i'm done with football i'm right. tired of getting my ass beat for and you know <laughs> these guys are all gonna get vaccinated at some point in the next you know eight months and because we just know that's how it's gonna work like athletes are gonna get vaccinated everything the the machine will roll on they'll play a full season next year it will not be the way it was this year and, yep. and that's how it'll go so you know i i I, I would imagine virtually all the seniors are coming back unless they just are like, unless they want to transfer, 
right? That would be the only other scenario. I or could they're think. just done. Like, which, just, which you like, could I definitely can't, see. I, I don't, I just, like, could you really imagine, though? Like, seniors going, but like, I, but I'm I just done. I can't see if you're, like, 23. And okay, maybe. You're, like, you've already been in it for five years. Maybe, And there's yeah. definitely some guys on the roster. And, and you might not even play that much the next year, so you're just going to yeah. practice. Yeah, that's And fair. so I think those are the seniors that will leave. Guys like, you know, like you said, Jackson might, like, although it'll be his sixth year, but who knows? Like, he could come back and then, you know, got, you know obviously, Renard Bell will be his sixth year. He's going to yep. come back. So yep. there's definitely guys that are going to come back. And I, I think it'll be the guys that have potential to play and, yeah. and actually contribute. Now, if you're like 23 and you're at the prospect of just, you know, getting beat up, for another going to college for another year getting beat up for another year right. which if I mean, you already us, have your degree and all us that as stuff. us as you know guys in our 30s were or 40s uh uh <laughs> <laughs> sorry, what are you no. talking about craig <laughs> um <laughs> what, is, what does that mean i <laughs> um, so, so, you know from our perspective like dude stay in school for another year absolutely don't like, ever I, I, leave like well cte and shit like that uh, I'm, yes like, i do not thinking of that but yeah go to school get to get your master's dude right just go do it like know? if they're gonna pay for a year of a master's then yeah. man, just like take advantage of that i don't know like i'm trying to scan down the roster really quick to see like 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 the kind of guy who would probably just be like forget it i'm out of here uh hold on well, i think like clay markoff i don't know yeah that like, might be like that might be a guy right um you just think about because listen love it, so. there right. are okay so i mean i know I, and i'm sure you do too like know people who like for example were walk-ons right yeah and it's like so for example like being a walk-on is is shitty okay i mean let's yeah. just call it what it is right like being a walk-on is is really fucking hard you have to love it you have to really really to, really love it and and even if you love it it might not be enough yeah. like like i'm just being like super for people who maybe never had any friends who were walk-ons or anything like that um the the, the people that i've talked to who were walk-ons uh, it's very rare for a walk-on to make it four years uh, unless unless they get to a point where they earn a scholarship um then it maybe changes but but man it is it, it is a hard life you're you're paying your way you are uh, just, you know, getting just shit on, right? Like, like you're 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 a member of the team, but you're not really like a full member of the team, and you're just con like you go to like you you do all the stuff that the team does, uh, except you don't get to play very much, and you just like you're on scout team at practice, yeah. and you just like like it is to be honest, it is a rough rough deal, and and people who have never done it or don't know anybody's done it. Typically, you're like, oh, it'd be great. Like, I'd love to be on the football team. I mean, come on. And that's usually where walk-ons start. And then after a couple of years, they're like, oh, my God. Like, this is really hard. It's really hard. And so um, you just sort of like, you know, I, I don't blame anybody who just eventually decides, you know, I think I've had about enough. Um, as I'm looking at the at the roster, you know, honestly, as far as the seniors go, there aren't that many seniors. Um, which which I didn't really realize. I think some of them transferred out. Rice Skyler Thomas transferred out. Uh, Will Rogers transferred out. Um, there were probably some other guys too that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. But as I'm looking, like these They're are still the seniors. on the roster. No, oh, so okay. these are the guys who are like, seniors now. Wow. Yeah. So we're talking okay. Hicks. Yeah. George Hicks, Daniel Isom, Dion McIntosh, Calvin Jackson, Renard Bell, Jihad Wood, Justice Rogers, Clay Markoff, Dylan Sherman, Liam Ryan, Josh Watson. Oh, Sherman Oscar definitely Dr said. Sherman said he was going back too. Yeah. Oscar Dragicevich and Philip Powell. See, I don't so, know about... like, is there anybody on that list that you're going like, yeah, they're probably done? I mean, maybe Philip Powell. 
Like Maybe. he's a graduate transfer. Like I mean, eh. they recruited a punter, so yeah. But it's like I mean, you know, Dragicevic has played and whatever. I just I just think the fact that there were only four games this year is really what about Heckman. About. You know, he's a walk right. on. You know, he, yeah, he but he's a junior. He's a, he's junior, a junior. That's right. Yeah. Um, so then, I, uh, I don't know. Let's. So yeah, we, you run down that list. Yeah, you're right. Like so, I'm I'm thinking. I'm I'm thinking Calvin Jackson will come back. I, I, yeah, I would and think so. I'm thinking Daniel Eisen will come back because yep. you know he's missed some time and yeah. You know, so I yeah. I, you would think so. Yeah, I I, I don't yeah. see anybody on that list that's obviously that, like that might actually turn out on. to be a fortunate thing for WSU compared to some other schools where these guys don't have NFL prospects. So we're gonna have like well, a yeah. pretty like upper pretty experienced roster, roster while yep. also being be able to bring in a full recruiting yep. class. Yeah, like that could really help Rolo in yep. what will actually be his first season. <laughs> like yep. this is a, I mean this is not real. Markov like, is only the only guy on that list where I'm like. Yeah, I could see him just tapping out and being like, okay, I've done my five years. Uh, the roster says he's a finance major. <laughs> he might just go, you know, I, I think I'm going to make I'm some bad. money. You know, I think it's time. I think it's time to just, you know, go on, move on and, and get on with life. And like I said, Philip Powell was the other one because I'm just like, you know, there's there's a lot of bodies at defensive back. Yep. Um, young guys who are going to develop over the next year. who have seen him. Yeah, who aren't playing this year. So that might be a guy, too. But like the other guys, they're all starters. Yeah. Maybe Dylan Sherman, I guess, isn't a starter, but he's playing a ton right now, or at least yeah. when we have a game he's playing. So um and he's he's probably thinking he's got a pretty decent shot to uh you know be in the rotation at linebacker we're not exactly like you know busting at the gills with linebackers and so Man, yeah. it'd be pretty great to just like literally redshirt the entire class yeah <laughs> i mean i mean we definitely need help yeah so if those class can play yeah right, yeah. yeah i mean as we'll get into when we talk about the utah preview we yeah. definitely need help especially on well defense. what's uh, going to be wild is what happens next year and i kind of wasn't thinking about it this way but there's been a couple stories that i read and a couple of commenters kind of pointed it out you know next year is going to be kind of crazy because you know for, for next year they're allowing schools to go over the 85 scholarship limit and i think i've said on the podcast before that i wasn't sure what that was going to be apparently that was decided some time ago and i just yeah we like, just missed it i just glaringly I missed, it missed it so yeah. i apologize if you were listening to me and took anything I said seriously because clearly well, I didn't I know what I was talking about. Yes, that's Jeff, always a good plan. No uh, clearly I did not know what I was talking about. They're, they're going to be able to go over 85 next year, but the following year, right now, they're not going to be able to. Well, yeah, like so, we've, we've talked about this before. This is many years down the path. because It's going to disrupt all, this thing for years. All the freshmen, all the sophomores. Like This is a four-year thing yep. at least. Yep. Like, like, so I, I, I think the NCAA is going to have to come back I think so. and talk about that because yep. all the juniors that are supposed to be seniors next year are going to be juniors again. Like They're yeah. not going to leave. And so, well, the yeah. NCAA's calling card is opportunity, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. look at all these educational opportunities we're providing. Like, how's it going to look if they're if people are signing like eight, nine, ten kids next year? Yeah. Because like, that's all they've got space for. Yeah. Look. Yeah. That you have no with an eighty-five scholarship limit. You're you're leaving you're leaving fifteen, you know, kids without scholarships because you know right. per team because right. like no one can you no know, like everyone has like what are you going to like send your all your seniors away? <laughs> no. Yeah. Like. No, I mean, because that's the other thing they don't want is people being run off. They're very yeah. sensitive to that also. So, and then there's going to be like this trickle down. Because we right? need we need to keep up this 
this uh, facade, facade of it, this yeah. be, the student athlete. So we have oh, yes. to like, so yeah, I, I assume they will reconvene and yes. they'll, I, I hope it's not just, I hope they decide and look ahead for multiple years and say, okay, <laughs> we're going to carry this for three or four years. Yeah. Uh, they won't. They um, but hopefully they'll just give schools enough time so that, uh, you know, they can recruit enough kids. Cause like we've talked about before, um, this is a, like as, as shitty as, you know, as much as we advocate for the players being compensated differently and whatever, uh, it's still the bare minimum of the scholarship is better than like if a bunch of kids who yes. maybe never would have went to college are like not going to go to college because they weren't given this, you know, right. full ride. So, a scholarship is better than not a scholarship. Yeah. So figure that out, NCAA. You, yeah. It's like, it's, it's really not that hard. Just let I'm it sure happen. I'm sure they will. Because the schools will, will, like most of the schools will pay for the extra scholarships. Yes. Like they're and they not just gonna, make it, they just make it up as they go. Like, I mean, I mean, Alabama will be like, let us have 150. We don't give a shit. Like, I mean, as much as as much as the NCAA is like, oh, you know, we got, you know, precedent and we got to blah, blah, blah. like we must hold to our principles of amateurism and like all those things. It's like, no, no, no. They can do whatever they want whenever they want. It's like, OK, if they want to if they want to change something, they can change it. It's not hard. You know, and that, that's typically how they deal with things. Uh, Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports, you know, he wrote a thing about kind of the this this situation that's coming down the road right and um and and the other part of this is you know talking about just how many guys are going to end up in the transfer portal and it's uh you know they're saying there's already 750 kids in there which is just like i mean mind-blowing because you think there's only 100 and whatever 130 multiple wsu kids i mean that's that's like an average of like six five or six kids per program like that's like that is a lot, man. I don't know if that transfer portal number was also, you know, FCS schools or whatever, but, uh, but at any rate, it's still, that's multiple people per school looking to transfer. Um, uh, man, that's a, that's a, that, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be a mess. And, and particularly in football, man, those guys find they get in the transfer portal. I'm going to leave. And man, I mean, you see WS, the guys from WSU who left, literally the only guy who made what would be considered a lateral at a lateral or better transfer would be Tay Martin. Yep. Uh, Will Rogers ends up at temple. Skylar Thomas ends up at Liberty. Good God. And uh, Cassidy Woods ends up at Northern Colorado. So it's, it's real, real tough. It's real, real tough to, uh, to transfer up in football. Uh, It's not hard in basketball, uh, but it's real tough in football, real, real tough in football. So, yeah, it's going to be wild to see how it shakes out. I, I do think Rolovich is doing the right thing by leaving some spots open to kind of yeah. see what comes into the transfer portal. I think that's a really good strategy. Uh, you know, Oregon State appears appears to be all in on that strategy. They signed, I think, 14 guys, yeah, yeah. something like Which that. Which would make sense. 13 guys, something like that. For them, so, I think. Yeah, I, so they're like, no, let's. Uh, we're going to go all in on adding guys who might be transferring. Uh, well, I, I think, think that's, especially I think that's a good strategy to be honest. Yeah, with Jonathan Smith's going to be in his third year, like yeah. it's going to be like starting time to deliver. You know, yeah. I mean, I know it's Oregon State, and so the, the expectations might not be like at, you know, it'd probably be more like Washington State, where like you could go six and six in your third year, and people will be fine with that. But they they probably need, you know, I think they're very close to that. They might even be there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, know, if it doesn't work out, it'll cripple them. 
Yes. But if it does work bad. out, could really pay off. Yeah. So. And yeah, and I'm I'm very interested to see it. For sure. So quick I, I said, you know, maybe we do 30 on Sandy. We're already <laughs> over that. But we're, let's let's say okay, quick. I talked to you. Quick, let's go like, you know, you're like one minute um, impressions over all of the class even though we've we've like it, honestly if you want to hear impressions or impressions of the class like just yeah. listen to past episodes like <laughs> but like one minute kind of impression of the class uh i think it's fine like I, I don't think it's a great class i don't think it's a bad class i think it's fine uh you know i, I think that these last handful of signings are really going to determine what i think of it um you know the guys they've got now i i think you know i see some guys who could potentially have an impact um, you know, as I think you always do when you look at a class and, and I think it's fine. I, I really like the quarterback. God, we have not talked about the quarterback at all. And yeah. It seems like he's totally getting overlooked. Uh, really like him. I think he's, his tools are fantastic. Um, just seems like the, a yeah. really good guy to add, uh, with, with where the program is right now. Um, so you add a guy who, uh, needs, you know, maybe is, is a little bit, not necessarily a project, but, but definitely, you know, is, is a little younger and needs to develop maybe a little bit. Uh, but, but the tools are there. And, and so I think he's a very interesting and exciting, uh, kid. He's like, he's our second highest recruit in the class. So, uh, definitely have not talked about him enough. Uh, yeah. Xavier Ward. Um, so excited about him. Uh, I think, yeah. I think he's really cool. Anytime you get, I think, a, a starting caliber quarterback in the, in the class, I think you feel good. Um, and, and I think they, you know, and then, yeah, like I, you know, we've seen what, uh, how Rolovich has evolved this offense to, to add it in RPO and things like yep. that. And, yep. and, and we, he did that with, uh, Cole Madison shit. I the yeah, guy, the guy that got drafted last year. Um, but, uh, he did that last year and, and, or, you know, he's done that before and, and it's it's cool to see how they've added that stuff, and so it seems like they're going to be looking for these, uh, you know, dual threat. I'm doing quotes with my fingers, yeah, yeah, guys. But uh, but yeah, Ward looks like a guy that can throw the ball and he can run the ball, and, and he's an exciting guy. Yep. I, I think overall, I think you're right. Like it's fine. Um, it's pretty much on par with our last like three classes. Uh, it's. You know, they've kind of been hanging in this. Uh, uh, it's definitely not like Wolfian and shitty. Yes. Like, yes. we're definitely way above that, yep. um, which is good. We're definitely not at the level um, of those teams that eventually built like the 2018 roster and stuff. So yep. we're not hitting that level of recruiting. Um, we are hitting recruiting that can do the type of stuff where when they're older, they can win eight to eight or nine games when they're younger we might struggle to win five to like yeah. four to six games three to six games yeah. so that's more of like where we're at right now um, i mean i, given, I will say i will say ahead, the, I, one i think mo other than oregon everyone in the pac-12 is recruiting poorer like even usc is recruiting poorer like so i and honestly everyone in the country other than the top, you know, other than clubs in Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, those those <laughs> everyone's recruiting worse yeah. now. Like they're yeah. they're seriously collecting the top talent. Of course, it's insane. But but if you look at WSU's fifty sixth, which is still eighth in the Pac twelve, which yeah. in a normal year fifty six is more almost 
11th or 12th because last year i think they were like 11th and they were 55th so it's like uh the from a conference standpoint i think we're seeing a talent drain a little bit but uh oh yeah i think for sure we are yeah and so but from wsu standpoint that's probably good for us because we've never recruited that great yeah probably and this is pretty much on the level of when our program has been decent this is where we recruit like like yep those leech those couple leech classes that built those 2017 2018 teams were kind of an anomaly and so this is more where we're at and then also as long as we're not going to those levels of those like 2010 2009 classes it's 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 going to be we're at least going to field a team that's going to be um challenging for a bowl and then when they're big and strong and grown challenging for maybe you know hopefully conference titles so that's 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 what we're looking for and i think this is right in that range so cool yeah you know i mean i i think given all the constraints of this you know past 12 months essentially um that they are not staring down a terrible class i think is a great sign when when the coaching staff was hired my my very first concern was you know i looked at the coaching staff and i went now granted you know that this wasn't like a uh this wasn't an indictment of them personally it just was like it reminded me a ton of paul wolf's coaching staff just in the sense like it was it was a lot of guys from a lower level who are we like, okay, are these guys really prepared to, to compete in the pac 12? Um, you know, a lot of Wolf's disaster was he just, he had a staff that was in so far over its head and, and the recruiting classes were a disaster. And it was just clear that they, they just were not ready to compete, you know, in that realm. Um, and so I think there, you know, initially I was like, eh, you know, I, I get, okay. So the, you know, he brought all his dudes from Hawaii and he added some guys from Wyoming and I'm just kind of like, eh, okay. And, and the fact that those guys put together what is, what is clearly, uh, obviously not a bad class, uh, may end up, end up being a good class. Um, yeah. You know, Definitely. I mean, we don't obviously we don't know these things, but at the very least, we know looking at this, this is not a Paul Wolf class like it's 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 just not, um, you know, there's there's plenty of talent here. Um, it's it's very much in line with what, you know, uh, what Mike Leach did most years uh, out of out of his recruiting classes. So so I, that is encouraging to me simply because you can you can sort of talk yourself into, hey, when things are normal and they can get kids on campus, maybe then you know, they could they start landing some better guys. So that's what you hope for. Uh, but at the very least, you're like, okay, in this environment, they landed a class that is certainly at the very in least respectable. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, it's at the very least respectable. I, I think that's a great sign. I think that's a great sign. And like you said, there's some really exciting guys at the top yeah. in particular. Yep. And then there's always going to be the guys at the bottom. That's There's always a few at the, yep. at the bottom that surprise you. There's going to be a guys that disappoint you. Whatever. Like, like, I think you alluded to there's some guys that look like they have potential body can be built, whatever. Yep. I I said 60 seconds. I think that was about six <laughs> minutes. So, uh, yeah, I think roughly let's, let's, so let's take a break and then we'll come back. We'll preview the Utah game. We're back, Craig. I always underestimate how long we're going to talk about. Something. Yeah. But it's, uh, 
Well, I, I honestly thought it's that was fault. I thought that was going to be all Utes, but I talked more than I thought I would. Yeah, so you um, get excited too. I know, I know. Um, I can read profiles while you're talking. <laughs> I, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about this. Is probably where I'll, I'll talk more. Uh, is the Utah preview? Um, so obviously, this is the rescheduled game. Ten thirty a.m. on Saturday. Uh, Utah looks pretty good, and I don't feel great about it to be honest. Like just to, <laughs> right off the bat, um, they look a lot better than I thought they would before I dug into them a little deeper. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think one of the things that made me think they weren't that great is primarily their quarterback. Yeah. Um, Bentley is not a great passer, uh, not a big threat in the passing, but he does scramble and that's a pain in the butt. Uh, I think they're where, so they actually have some really good offensive kind of peripherals. Um, they're actually really like SP plus their 28th. Uh, but they're, um, they're really good, um, in success rate, uh, 45% overall, um, uh, passing actually 48%, which is pretty solid running 42%. Very good. Um, very good on standard downs, uh, where you, where you see the limitations of Bentley is their passing down, uh, passing downs aren't quite as good, but so, um, yeah, I think they're they're probably going to ground and pound. Like uh they're they have a running back uh a freshman who Ty Jordan who is very good um and terrifies me. I don't know if you've yeah. watched uh, many Utah games, but a little bit. He is I watched ex- him almost beat Washington. Yep. And then not beat Washington. <sighs> so we're still mad at them for that. Yeah. Um totally. But yeah, so yeah, they they're kind of two and two record. I think might belie a little bit how good they actually are. Um, in a I mean, normal... they just started kind of. They stumbled because yeah. of all the COVID at the beginning of the year. And... Yeah, and they they beat the crap out of Colorado. I mean, it, it, yeah, they. Uh... I yeah, yes and no. Like, did you watch that game? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Like it was, I mean, it was a six point game midway, like not even midway past midway into the fourth quarter and Colorado was Colorado was driving. They were deep in, I mean, I don't know if it's deep, but like they were, they were on, they made it like to Utah's like 30 yard line and then turned the ball over and then touchdown and then turned the ball over. I I think it was two turnovers and then touchdown. And that's when it got completely out of hand. Uh, and the final margin, you know, made it look uh, really, really bad. But it ended up being, you know, it was it was a close game for the majority of the game. So for for whatever you want to take away from that, I mean, I, honestly, I have no idea what to take away from that. But yeah. whatever you want to take away from that, uh, it wasn't like, you know, Utah had them at, you know, two touchdowns for the whole game. Uh, definitely wasn't that. In fact, they were they were on their heels a little bit and then made some plays, uh, you know, late in the fourth quarter. I will say um, one thing their offense does pretty well is avoiding negative plays, uh, which is bad for WSU. Uh, You know, kind of the only thing they do decent, WSU does decently well is uh, get those, uh, you know, tackles for loss, QB sacks. That's kind of when they're going well. It's definitely the front's, you know, the front's pressure. Um, So uh, it makes me kind of worried that they – because – 
kind of the the thing that if you look at havoc rate um if you break it down from the what they call the front seven havoc rate versus the db havoc rate uh wsu does really well in the front seven havoc rate they're top top half of pack 12 and that they're 10th in the db havoc rate so uh the front seven havoc rate measures the percentage of plays where you get a tackle for loss a sack or a fumble and then the db havoc rate is uh interceptions and uh interceptions and pass breakups so uh obviously a, a fumble can be caused by a db and a and a and a sack can be made by a DB or whatever, but uh, you know, an interception can be made by a linebacker, but that that's just kind of their broad stroke. So WSU is not great at breaking up passes. They're not great at intercepting passes, obviously. Um, so th- we luckily Bentley is not that great down the field, but I don't know. It's uh, WSU's SP plus is currently at 106, which, which is worse <laughs> than it started the season. <laughs> Um, yep. their success rate overall against 54%. Good God. That means on over half of plays, uh, opposing offenses are having successful plays, uh, which is defined as a, uh, uh, EPA over zero, but that just, just basically means they're staying on, on, uh, on schedule is a successful play. Um, so yeah, passing, running. The, what's particularly scary is WSU has been very bad um, in terms of success rate against the run. They have done pretty well on passing downs. Some surprisingly, I think, because of that pressure. Uh, but how much Utah is probably going to run on them? I don't see a lot of passing downs happening. Uh, yeah, I mean they've two of their four games they've had more rushing yards than passing yards. Yeah, um, which is you know partially why their yards per play is marginal. <laughs> they they've only yeah, they've only because they run so much. Yeah. yeah, I mean this the last game against Colorado they were at six yards per play and that was their highest of the season. So uh, you know they they definitely run the ball more. They they look to run the ball more than they pass. But their their top running back is averaging seven point two yards per carry. So yeah. I mean, it's the rest good. of the guys are like, not great, but Bentley is also a threat to run. I mean, when you take out the sacks, he's got roughly 150 yards rushing this year. Yeah. Um, so he's, you know, around four to five yards of carry without yeah. the sacks. So, and they're like, they're reasonably decent on third down, uh, 40% conversion, which isn't great, but I think cause they, is not they're, disastrous. They're very good at having short third downs. Yeah, they stay on schedule. Yeah. And Bent- Bentley will, like, that's kind of his deal. Like, he'll, like, I, I remember that UW game. And, and granted, that's that's probably the only game I've watched him closely. But, I mean, he kept, you know, in that first half when, when they got to, out to the lead, he just, like, kept picking up third down conversions with his feet. And it was, yep. you know, if you're a UW fan, it was super annoying. But, um, you know, he's, he's definitely mobile enough to pick up a few yards and evade pass rush. So, um, you know, I, I think if the, the big key of course is all with Utah is always going to be with him is going to be, uh, you know, try to put him in third and long as best you can, um, try to keep him out of, you know, third and manageable. Uh, you're going to have a lot more success that way. Of course, that's, that's a lot easier said than done, uh, given our poorest, uh, you know, run defense, 
Um, yeah, it's, I mean, maybe the run defense <laughs> that they had against USC is uh, maybe is legit. Was, maybe maybe like, that's that would legit. be great. I don't know. That'd be great. If, but, if, if they bring that run defense, I mean, yeah. it's definitely going to be a different type of run coming at them. But yeah. uh, if they can bring that, they definitely could have a chance like to slow them down. So that's, that's your, that's your like hold Hang on your hat on that one. Hey, like if, if that, if that run defense was legit, I mean, cause USC had some good backs and, oh, you know, yeah. they, so it, it's not crazy, but that's still that, that's like your one hope is cause Utah is going to run the ball a lot. And so WSU will have to stop it. Uh, I will say like WSU's, you know, kind of front six, as you said, is probably their strongest point, um, you know, and then, then if Jalen Watson is playing, then that helps and uh, on the outside. So maybe we, you know, maybe we haven't seen the defense at their best. Maybe we'll see them at their best. Maybe they will stop their run a little better. Um, even just slowing it down would help. Yes. Because um, if you can get a tackle for loss and force Bentley – to do something beyond converting right. a third down with right. his legs or whatever, yep. then you're getting in a good spot with them. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, have we seen this defense do this in the last, this year, last year? No, but no. Um, we have seen, well, maybe in the second half against USC, who knows how much that was real, whatever, but yeah. you know, hopefully maybe it was, and maybe, maybe they can slow them down. You know, I'm not super optimistic about that, but um, you never I do, know. I, I do know that Utah, it's 2020. Utah is going to run the hell out of the ball. Yes, they're going to run and run and run. And yeah, uh, if you can, if you can keep them from getting into third and three, third and four, then then yeah, you you want Bentley throwing, you know, third and seven, third and eight. That's definitely what you want. And you know, maybe just maybe, maybe they maybe they can make that happen. You never know. Now we'll flip over to when WCU has the ball. Big shocker, Utah has a pretty good defense. No. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Really? Uh one thing well, that is shit. A, one thing that is a little different, they aren't like the penetrating, like disruptive front six seven that they usually are. Their havoc rate for that isn't they're not getting a ton of sacks, not a ton of tackles for loss. Um they're big they're big guy in the middle, and give me a second um with his name uh their big guy in the middle is missed colorado as far as i can tell uh um putatao putatao i sure sounds good to me how it so he's sorry man he's their he's their big dude like you know 300 pounder that they always have in the middle um he missed colorado um, it would be great if he missed this game too. He's he's kind of their most disruptive force on the line, um, yeah. but yeah, they just haven't been getting the sacks and TFLs as much this year as they have in past. Uh, but their defense has been good overall. Um, definitely, the success rates are are not are 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 tough. You know they're. 36 so i just said wsu's defense allows a 54 percent success rate overall ws uh, utah's under 37 percent so Ooh. and 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 it's pretty much the same whether you're passing or running it's almost the same so yeah. and yeah. passing downs 25 percent. so yeah. good luck uh so wsu definitely 
needs to avoid passing downs. They need to get yards early. Um, hopefully they can avoid, I, I think, you know, Delora has been very good at avoiding big, you know, typically uh, the USC game, hopefully, hopefully the USC game was, you know, more of an anomaly and less of a predictor, but uh, the USC did take away the deep stuff. Um, I expect Utah to try to maybe, but we've talked about Utah in the slack a little bit. They don't seem to have ever tried to take away deep stuff. They seem to like, because <laughs> they seem to do crazy shit like this. Cause the safeties are just in weird, weird places, typically like too short, like too, too shallow. Yeah. And, and they they do make they do take some have taken some weird gambles yeah against WSU in the last few years. So hopefully no you know doubt. all the vertical routes that WSU is doing we can catch them on some of those gambles. Yeah. Um. And I, I I think this is still a good offense, and I I think they definitely have the talent to move the ball. Uh, again, it's going to be um, how much they have to do it. Yeah. You know. Because yep. WSC still has a lot of good peripherals. Uh, yep. Their defense is, their offense is still, even after the USC game, still 17th. And SP Plus, still 45% success rate. Very good passing, running 46%. Standard downs, 51%. Very good. So, uh, yeah, if WSC can stay on schedule and then hit, you know, maybe get, maybe get in some nice, uh, uh, you know, short yardage, third and, uh, you know, second twos type that get their deep shots in um then i think there's going to be opportunity there i just utah just the way they play defense there's always going to be chances for big plays um and hopefully that happens yeah they utah defense is tough man yeah Uh, they are (laughs) they're just they're really good they they haven't allowed six yards per play yet this year uh colorado got to 5.71 which was the highest (laughs) that anybody's gotten to uh, against them uh, nobody's gotten to 70 plays against them um, Oregon State was probably the most successful running the ball but they couldn't throw the ball at all um, you know that that of course was after you know Jebbia went out with, with his injury right. but yeah. but still it's you know they just they are um, you know they they don't allow people to run the ball and you know even Washington only ran the ball for 88 yards and not that Washington is some you know juggernaut rushing team but uh but Jimmy Lake definitely has made it a point to ru- try and run the ball um and they run they the were not, they really weren't able to and in fact you know UW only really got going in that game when they just completely put it in uh in the quarterback's hands so uh, you know, it's, <laughs> I don't know, man, you know, it's, I, I will be interested to see how Rolovich tries, tries to attack them. Um, one thing I know is that, you know, obviously we seem to have had a difficult time, uh, since the first, you know, couple of games, uh, you know, get, getting the deep ball going. Um, it seems yeah. like that, yep. that USC made a concerted effort, um, to be sure and take that away. Um, seemed to frustrate Delora a little bit uh, early in the game against USC. Um, you know, I, I can only imagine that Cal, you know, would have done the same. So I, this one definitely, like I said, going to be a little bit interesting. You know, can they can they scheme up some of the more vertical stuff, or are they going to have to, you know, be content with the underneath stuff? Um, the the one thing I know is that look, you know, up until last year, Utah 
had a really tough time with our offense. And I know the run and shoot is obviously different from the air raid. We keep saying that, but, uh, but it is a, you know, a passing oriented attack. It is a spread passing oriented attack. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe Rolovich can, can grab some of that magic too. I mean, uh, not that spread passing oriented attacks have had a ton of success. You know, USC only threw for 264 back in, you know, November. So, um, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know that there's anything necessarily to read into it there, but, I, I I don't know, man. I'm 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 grasping at straws because this could be another. Th- this could be a pretty dispiriting way to end end the season. To be honest. Yeah, um, I will say, Max Borgie should be playing, so hopefully that'll yep. be fun. Um, yep. Hopefully that makes a difference. Yeah, hopefully that makes a difference. Uh, yeah, um, I don't feel super great about it. Um, it's particularly it's in Utah, which makes it tougher and, uh, it's, you know, 2000 feet higher than WSU. So you have that to think about too. Um, I don't, let's, let's get into some predictions. Uh, um, you go first, man. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be good. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm actually going to copy the Colorado score 38, 21 Utah. All right. So I predicted a, a win against USC. That did not go well. So let's go back on the pessimistic side, or the realistic, as you like to say. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to go uh, 31-17. Uh, Utah, I still have, like, visions of last year's game at Utah in my head. Yeah. Um, me and my sister. It's funny how we feel good about it until we don't. Over shit. Oh, right? It was awful. Um, <laughs> like, uh, we were so, like, at the beginning. Remember when we did our preview before last season? Yeah. And we were like whatever dude we fucking own utah like we'll be fine <laughs> yeah and now and all of a sudden was, we're like we weren't, we weren't even that positive <laughs> i guess we were pretty positive about that season i think we were both around seven or eight wins so yeah you know yeah, but we were so, like look we we've done great against utah that game will be fine and then it's like ooh. <laughs> well, i don't think was, the weather could be much worse than it was that day well, yeah that. but still it was like man i our offense has like that was as pitiful as our offenses looked like non UW category like that was that was one of the worst things yeah i get like yeah it was was only about 250 total yards it was very very bad it was like four yards of play it was bad uh i can look hold on i've got this pulled up it was uh 4.97 yards per play so it was under five yards per play yeah which you know to be honest wasn't that bad considering oregon state went 3.4 3.4 Arizona State went 2.7 Cal went 1.9 1.9 yards per play in a 35 nothing shutout uh Washington only went 4.99 so they went they barely exceeded us and then the next three opponents UCLA Arizona Colorado were all under four and then of course then they had to play Oregon but I think if I remember right in that that championship game I think I think they were pretty beat up on defense yeah. maybe I'm wrong but I seem to recall that Seems right. Um, but yeah, the last two games obviously were bad. Oregon, Texas, uh, two bad losses. But but man, that defense was a juggernaut for most of the season. So yeah, and we actually don't look that bad in comparison. Yeah, and so they, maybe I should feel better. I don't that know. defense still looks pretty good, which always sucks. Yeah, yeah. but they're we, not we, they're not a juggernaut on that order. They're not as good as they were last year. Yes. Defense, yeah. So. Like you said, they're 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 front seven, not as dominant. Yeah. Um, so maybe we can make some hay there. Yep. That's but, the yeah. Let's take not a, feeling good though. 
let's 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 take a second break and then let's let's preview a hoops game. Let's talk about a yeah. hoops game too. All right. And we're back, Craig. All right. Oh, so much content. This I is know. insane. <laughs> we're supposed to. These are supposed to be our like. These are supposed to be like thirty-minute episodes. Supposed to be our easy night, man. Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, oh man. Well, and I got now I got to edit it because you're like you went to go pee and I didn't know you went to go pee. And, <laughs> well, thanks for. So now I got to edit that out. Thanks for pulling back the curtain on that, Jeff. Thanks, man. <laughs> This is this is how the sausage is made, people. It's it's funny the, the little chat that we have on the you know on the cast app, the recording the, screen, the recording yeah. screen. It's 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 about fifty fifty whether the other person's actually yeah. going to be looking at it. Yeah, I mean um, we don't usually use it. Yeah, that, so but I didn't know where. I guess I should have made. But that's a good place G- to put it. I mean, I, I should have sent you a G chat or something. That's I guess, nah, so. I mean that's that's probably the best place to put it. I just didn't really notice. So well, anyway, let's talk about hoops i mean let's talk about isaac bonton revenge game isaac bonton revenge game yeah yes of course former uh brief montana state uh hooper isaac bonton um played a little bit his freshman year at montana state yeah um different coach different coach uh but yeah um hopefully he's all out for revenge um, cause I, we have seen a determined Isaac Bonton yes, in some games have. and man, he can be pretty damn good. And Indeed. I think he's very much due for a good game. Yes. Um, as you know, uh, John told us on earlier this week, you know, he's feeling this more than any of us. And so, you know, hopefully Isaac can maybe that, that have that little extra motivation to just pour one on someone. Cause this is, uh, this upcoming game. Um, may, may have already happened by the time you listen to this. I don't care. Um, uh, on Friday Maybe. night, Friday night, um, on of course, Pac-12 networks, uh, against Montana state is definitely the toughest game left on the non-conference schedule. Yeah. Um, and I, I genuinely think that Montana state will end up a higher than where they are currently ranked in the Ken Palm rankings. Yeah. They uh, look pretty good. They do look pretty good. Um, they've beaten, a, a, a team that's rated higher than, uh, or around or higher than WSU and, uh, UNLV, um, beat them good too. Yep. Uh, so one guy that you and I were discussing earlier this week where I, I sent, <laughs> I sent him, I even sent a, sent a, like a highlight video to you, yep, yep. um, is, uh, their, I guess I, I wouldn't say point guard, probably two guard. Uh, definitely a guy that will ha- have the ball a lot. Xavier Bishop. Um, he is a five foot eight dude that last year at UMKC shot 48% or no, 51% at the rim. Like, which is nuts. Like we talk about Isaac Bonton's struggles where he's like, you know, 20 to 30% at the rim and he's six foot, you know, he's, he's what? Six foot two. This kid's five foot eight. And yeah. he's, he attacks the rim. Um, he definitely shoots a lot of threes, too, which he struggled with in their last game, but generally has been a pretty solid, like, you know, 35% where it's like that's good enough to where you should just keep shooting him. Um, but definitely he is uh, – he's not like a – like, you know, he doesn't like his, – his stats don't paint the picture of a guy that relentlessly attacks the rim. But as a guy that definitely, like, mixes it up, um, you know, does sh- shoot – 
uh, crazy for a five foot eight guy. He shoots actually more two pointers than three pointers. I mean, it's almost it's it's fairly even, but um, he's a scary guy, you know. Like, cause uh, normally like, oh, we have big guards. Who cares? He's five foot eight, but. I don't know. Like he probably plays against a lot of big guards, and he probably does pretty well against them. He's pretty used to being the shortest guy. So, and when when we've looked at his highlights, he knows how to finish. Yes, being a five foot eight guy, really, really good at finding a little space. We, we joked. Uh, we joked earlier that that he's uh, this is Tawan Porter. Yeah, <laughs> that which sorry, Coog fans. Like, I, just I'm sorry for the trauma causing, that I just yeah. induced with that, but. Um, and he's, he, so Tawan Porter definitely shot more threes than twos. So he's not, not quite the same guy, but probably but, not quite the, the shooter. Like, yeah, yeah it's like the pure shooter that, Tawan but, was, but you know, maddening in the sense that, you know, at that size, you feel like you ought to be able to stop a guy at that size. Um, this guy is probably going to get some, um, I, honestly, I think our best weapon against him is, is our, is our centers, uh, yes. to be honest, you know, if you're, if you're going to try and keep a guy like that from getting to the rim. What you don't want is, you know, he, what we saw in the video, the, the highlights is that um, he's really, really good at finding little creases of space and also creating space, um, you know, around the rim with step throughs. Like he doesn't do it with strength. He's not like a, yeah, like he's an Isaiah 50. <laughs> yeah. He's not like an Isaiah Thomas guy who's doing it by, you know, banging bodies and just kind of doing it with lift and creating a little space, you know, Isaiah Thomas real short as well. Um, he's doing it by just sort of like step throughs, uh, jump stops, you know, just kind of, he just has this really great feel for where, for where the space is. Um, it has a, has a, a number of creative ways to, you know, to, to get to a little spot where he's got a little sliver of space. Um, and so when, you know, you're trying to combat a guy like that, um, having a six ten shot eraser, you know, is, uh, is, is a really good place to start because that's a guy who, you know, in theory, you know, makes those spaces a lot smaller, uh, makes it so that, you know, those, those little spaces around the rim that he's used to getting to, um, you know, maybe where he's, you know, five feet from the rim or something or four feet from the rim, you know, all of a sudden that's not an open shot anymore. So, um, hopefully that's the case with, uh, with Abigidi and, and, and Mark Ovetsky, that those two guys, uh, can sort of create a little bit of a halo around the rim and, and force him into, um, you know, a little more uncomfortable shots. Cause he's definitely, he definitely likes to get to the rim. Um, you know, it's going to be incumbent maybe on those couple of guys to, uh, make sure that when he gets around the rim, that he that he can't get off a clean look uh, at, at his size, and, and that should be that should be doable. That's not, I think, asking too much. So that that's that's going to be the real key with him. Um, you know, he's a serviceable outside shooter. You mentioned uh, has not shot well yet this year, but he had a that that's mostly due to one you yeah, know very first. very poor game against uh, against Pacific. Um, otherwise, you know, he's a credible threat from outside as well. So. Yeah, he's he's going to be if you weren't a, you know, if you're not one of us, uh he'd be really fun to watch, but since you're one of us, he's probably going to piss you off. Yes. Yep. Um I, they have another uh guy who looks real talented too, uh, I mean Adamu, who seems like he was a JUCO transfer this is his second year his senior year. Um he uh he takes most of his shots like in the mid-range. Um and he's also a distributor. Uh, you know, he's got, I mean, he wasn't last year, so maybe he won't be this year, but this year so far he's been, being the assist guy for them. 
Um, but last year he was definitely more of an off ball guy. Um, he, he, last year he wasn't super good, but he did take a lot more shots. And I, I, it seems that maybe Bishop maybe take a, might take a little pressure off of him in that regard. Um, but he definitely was, uh, uh, he's not a guy that's, he only shot 33s last year. I wouldn't expect him to shoot a ton of threes, Adamu, but he's, uh, he, he shot, um, 51% of his shots were two point jumpers last year, which is kind of absurd. And it's this, a really high number this day and age, yeah. as they say. And then another like 39 were at the rim. So he's not looking to shoot threes, uh, that much. Uh, that being said, every time I say that about a guy, um, <laughs> he comes and shoots like eight threes, uh, and makes them all on WSU. So sorry. Um, Why's he got to do that to us? Make us look um, like that. as far as their bigs, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, this, Jabril Bello guy, uh, kind of a wide body, uh, only six nine, but two forty. Um, we saw Iwu had a, some guys like that that kind of gave us trouble. Yep. Um, he looks. But like a, those guys were more. They definitely were shooters. This guy's more, not a yeah, shooter. Yep. Yeah, which is good for. He's WC. not a floor spacer because that that means Vova can play. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this guy's gonna hang out around the basket. He. Uh, draws five fouls a game. He has taken one three pointer all year. His uh, his his free throw he gets rate a lot a, of rebounds. He had the sixth highest free throw rate in the country last year, seventy nine point yeah. two. So he shoots as many, almost as many free throws as he does field goal attempts. So yeah, um, he's definitely gonna be looking to do that. Uh, block. Could, sh- could this be the game? By the way, could this be the game where we see the Vova FA? combo up front this is probably the first time where they i mean i don't know about this uh fernandez guy he he shot he he shot some threes last year um he's definitely a guy that kind of looks like he might float around the you know the top of the key so that might drop but but that's definitely a guy that uh effa could handle yep and then and then you have Balo is not really gonna go outside, so this could we could see a Vova Effa yeah. like just shot prime, erasing. This seems like a prime too big kind of game, or maybe some Deshaun Jackson ac- action yeah. if he's if he's if he's you yeah. know feeling all right. You know that this could definitely be a game for for just bigs, bigs, bigs because uh, yeah, they just don't have the type of bigs that WSU has faced a lot this year, where it's been guys that stretch you out, which kind of makes it hard to play two bigs particularly with vova yeah because uh, he's he's not a guy that's gonna go out and defend ball screens on the yep. top of the key and all that so um yeah so uh, it's very interesting um they this is one of the i mean their offensive ken palm rating is not good but there are definitely some offensive tools that particular bishop he's just like he's a guy that could go off and ruin your day um the rest of the team you know uh uh they have a you know gazelas is a so far has hit five of ten from three so i imagine he's going to shoot some threes um probably playing off of bishop uh you know so they do have guys actually there's a guy tyler patterson who has made uh we were talking he's the anti-rap he has taken six threes and he's made all of them. Made them so all. Far. He currently has a two. He leads the country in offensive rating, yeah. two hundred point one. 
that's I, I love early season stats for that I stuff. Do. I know. Um, he's blocked some well, shots. I don't know. Maybe he's like a wild card in here. Uh, they've got some, some crazy stat anomalies yeah. going on here all over the place. I mean, how about this one? So uh, we haven't talked. And about, they've actually played two like two these, teams yeah, that, are, two that are probably teams. roughly around the quality of WSU. Yes. And, UNLV and Pacific. Yeah, so. And they, they handled UNLV really well. Um, they went to overtime and lost against Pacific in the game that Bishop played pretty terribly. Um, but they're crazy. So they. Yeah, if he hits one more three, they win that game. Yes. So. Um, they forsake offensive rebounds to a greater degree than even Tony Bennett. Yeah. Yeah. Like they have only rebounded 16% of their own misses this year. And last year it was only 22.4 for the whole year. I mean, 16 is like, that's almost like, like it's almost impossible to be. It's it's a very much, uh, it's very much intentional. Like, like obviously that's there's a little bit of like bad luck thrown in there uh, because it, on some level you get some offensive rebounds just out of, you know, sheer just luck, you know. Uh, so they've had that. But when you look at their individual stats, um, only only two players have recorded an offensive rebound yeah. this year. Yeah, <laughs> actually three. I take that back three. They've got one guy who has barely played who got uh, probably got one. But it's like. It's Bello, it's Fernandez, and nobody. Xavier Bishop, 0%. Amin Adamu, 0%. Mike Hood, 0%. Uh, Gazalus, 0%. Muhammad, 0%. Kind, 0%. These are guys that have played. <laughs> like, these are guys that have played, like, meaningful minutes. Like, and they like have 40 zero plus offensive rebounds. <laughs> like, yeah, like, zero. They, these guys have played all, like, 15 to 40 minutes. Uh, yeah. So, you know, especially some of these guys have played like 70 minutes and not recorded a single offensive rebound. They very much are, they are saying, legit no, we don't, we don't want that. Not wanting rebounds, offensive rebounds. They're getting and back Keeping on you out of transition. They have, you know, their, their uh, average offensive possession is in like the lower, I don't know, third or 30% of, uh, on both ends uh, of, of all of NCAA. I think and again, they were last year too. Average so this possession is very much, is very uh, much below average. Yeah. So they they're going to make you grind, you know. It's going to be the exact opposite of that Portland State. They game. don't force a lot of turnovers again. Nope. Very different from gonna, Portland State. They're just going to try to grind the hell out of you. You you could probably so, not find like especially in the same conference like two more different uh yeah. approaches yep. than than the Portland State. And I think probably overall that's probably to WSU's benefit. Um as we've talked about with John, you know, you asked him about their uh WSU's kind of their defensive or defensive rebounding percentage is not where they would want it to be. He talked about how they've played some really aggressive offensive rebounding teams. This is not going to be that team. No. So if WSU is focused on securing <laughs> boards, you could see like a, you know, 85 to 90 yeah. offensive rebounding percentage. Yeah. You could see literally like maybe a couple yeah. offensive rebounds in this game. Yeah. Um you know, I always hate saying things like that, but but again, they they don't turn the ball over. They're very much looking to um, you know, you know, they, they've shot really well so far this year. It's, again, it's only two games. Like we're uh, right. I mean, we're reading change. a ton in two games, but you did look back at last season. Yeah. And there, there obviously are sort of fingerprint type things that teams have. And, and this is them. They take care of the ball. They don't offensive rebound. Uh, um, they don't force turnovers. They don't force turnovers. So, you know, for WSU, it's going to be key, big key for them is going to be. They were very good at defensive rebounding last year. They haven't been so far this year, but I, I would suspect it's definitely a thing that they send a lot of guys to yeah. the rim. Yeah. 
So take care of the ball. Uh, get to the line. They'll they'll put people on the line. Um, that's that's a pretty. They're yep. like definitely below average at keeping teams off the line. So uh, WSU's been really good at getting to the line so far this year. Um, and then, you know, the Cougars defense is going to be put to the test a little bit. Um, not that their offense is great because it's not. Um, but that is a that is a lot a function of shot volume because they're not getting any of those offensive rebounds. They've been a good shooting team. Yeah. Um, you know, they're about average at getting to the line, but they're shooting 44 percent from three. And that's with that's with Bishop shooting one for nine or whatever it was against from three point line against Pacific. Yep. So like they they can shoot it. Uh, or at least they have, um, whether that's I mean, Tyler Patterson has never missed a shot in his yeah. entire call. So he, he obviously will never career. miss one. But I, I mean, you can fully expect as we say that he's a six, eight kid from Snoqualmie and he's definitely going to be hovering around and shooting threes. He's shot three a game and he's played a little over half the minutes and he's shot three, you know, three, six threes already out of the seven shots he's taken. Um, so, uh, that's you know and he also i will say in the in the uh he has technically missed one we're only talking division one games he went three of four against yellowstone christian so i mean you're talking this kid has shot uh 10 threes and made nine of them so far this year so i definitely not a kid not a guy you want to leave alone um and they have a few guys like that like azalas and uh even adamu i don't expect him to be a great unless he has greatly improved uh, but there's guys so if you are, are allowing penetration from bishop you could yeah you, there could be trouble here yep there, there's guys that can knock down shots um yeah the, the, there's definitely reason and and i gotta point out like this isn't it like we just saw uw lost to montana yesterday um arizona state lost a an even much worse team uh it was one. I think it was like the third highest Ken Palm upset of the who Arizona State lose to yesterday uh, as well. I gotta look. Sorry, I'm I'm drawing. I got a blank. I'm almost there. I'm drawing a blank. Also, um, yeah, UTEP. There you go. Yeah, so I mean, UTEP shot up a bunch after they beat them, but I mean these these are losses that can happen, and yep. so uh, when you get a team that is kind of when it gets to the top half of college basketball, which where Montana State's like roughly around half. Um, and I, and like I said, I think they'll probably finish higher than where they are now. Um, there's going to be players on the team that can make a difference. They're, they're going to have some sort of like probably multiple players that can make a difference. They're probably not going to be like completely inept in, in, you know, height or, or whatever. Like, like they have, you know, they're not tall, but they have, they have some size. Like we're not just going to be able to bully them. Um, it, it it'll be interesting and and plus there's always that what the hell is the wsu offense gonna do like they have not shown to be like super dominant or any any level of dominance in any in no. any game so far um, not at all I, I do think this is a game where you know they might need to be better like they probably need to be better to yeah. win they're trending in the right direction, though. Uh, yeah, I agree. You know, Portland State was, you know, their fifth game and their best game. Uh, they did a lot of things well. So, yeah, I mean, I, this is going to be, uh, you know, another step against, uh, a, you know, a decent opponent. Um, our, our fans probably 
for the most part, our fans are going to dismiss him because it's Montana State and Big Sky. We should kill him. Uh, but this is a good, you know, this is a, a nice little bit of scheduling here. I mean, this is this is a team that uh, is solid and should give us a nice little test. And, you know, I would not be shocked if we lost. Um, I think we're going to win, but I would not be shocked if we lost. And um, one way or another, it should be a nice little, uh, you know, a, a good game to play to, to help continue the team's development. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's this is a be more of a challenge and, and the rest of the games are, are easy, like tech, technically easier, um, you know, down the stretch. Um, I'd feel a lot better about them being, you know, if they can get over if they can get this win, like I feel pretty good about them being undefeated going into the, you know, the the meat of Pac-12 play. Um, whatever that means, given the schedule they've played. But, yeah, right. Um, but still, it's better to, like, as we, you know, as we saw with UW, as we saw with Arizona State, if we've, if we, as we've seen with Oregon State, it's better to win the games than lose them. Like, it's like, you know, they, WSU has had some close calls against some not-so-good teams, but they won. Um, they beat Eastern. They beat Texas Southern. Oregon State, UW, uh, and and uh, Arizona State have lost to teams at that level, right? So, you know, getting the win is a big deal. And and this is Ken Palm only predicts this seventy sixty five on average. Only two thirds of the simulations are for WSU. That means there's a big chance that Montana State wins this game. Yep. Uh, I think it's probably going to be like not quite as up and down as some of the games we've seen so far. Um, it'll probably be uh, a little slower. But I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be very interesting to watch. And Montana State has some fun guys to watch. Um, that what, could whatever the under is and, on this game, I would, I would take the under. Yeah, I would definitely. I mean, honestly, for any WSU game at this I, point. I know that <laughs> Ken Palm's predicting us to score what seventy, 70 right? which yeah, we have no, not done yet. <laughs> not a chance. Not um, a chance. Sixty, maybe. Yeah, he's got seventy-one possessions. I see it more of a sixty-five yeah. possession game. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, sixty. I mean, I mean if they the, hit the team that wants to play slow great. usually wins out on that. So yeah. So yeah, I, I you know I, I see I see uh, lower uh, uh, posi- like I, this is definitely not gonna be up and down. I, I if if WSU is not cleaning the offensive glass, you sh- I mean uh, the defensive glass, you should be worried. Yeah, that'd be uh, panic time. Th- um, of course, this is probably the game where Montana State will have like six rebounds in the first half just fall into their hands or balls will get tapped out of bounds yeah, yeah. and they'll get, get offensive the rebounds rebound. that way. Yeah. Like they'll like, it's this, like, you know, that's going to happen at some point. They're probably due for one of those. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, you know, um, it's, yeah, I think, you know, like my feeling of this game, it's more of a, cause I think, well, I, I do think WSU is probably better than their rating eventually, but I don't think yet. And I, think montana state might be playing a little better than their rating is right now um they held out their two best players in that again that yellowstone christian game so they should be nice and rested uh uh, they've also only played two because they've been more uh they've had worse luck even than uh than us with the covid stuff um so yeah i i this is man to me this is kind of a toss-up i just because i haven't seen wc's offense do enough this year for me to like be hundred percent confident and to win a game like this, yeah. where it's very possible that Montana state could go bananas from three yep. and make it, yep. make it tough. Yep. 
Yeah, I think uh, I'd probably go something like 63, 61, something like that. Low scoring, tight game. Um, you know, hopefully the randomness falls in our favor again. Uh, you know, but again, you know, I, I'm curious to see kind of how we, you know, maybe what some of the personnel things. Will Ryan Rapp finally score a basket? Like, well, these and, are and things yeah, that I'm curious about. Again, I 100% could see Bontang going nuts in this. Yes. Game. That's what I'm rooting for. He's just going to be like, fucking hate Montana State and like just score like 32 points. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm rooting for. Do for it, sure. Isaac. It's time. Yeah, it's time, buddy. Yeah, stick it to him. All right. All right. Whoo. That was a long episode. We talked, we talked for 25 minutes about a, at a, at a preseason <laughs> game against a, a dog conference game against a big sky school. That's, that's what you're getting in this podcast. That's because we love it. And uh, so if you listen to that, please subscribe. Uh, please, if, if, if you want to rate, then you should rate five stars. If you're not going to rate five stars, just don't rate. Just get out of there. Don't yeah. Um, but if, if you're rating, I suggest five stars. Leave a comment. That, that's please. nice, too. Yeah, um, I like those. Follow us on Twitter at Pod versus Everyone for Jeff. I, I take no responsibility for those tweets. <laughs> um, and then, uh, even though my daughter is the cover photo, and I, yes. I, I am in the uh, avatar, so yeah. But uh, but uh, you share I, some of the blame too, pal. I, I do, um, but no responsibility for those tweets whatsoever. <laughs> um, uh, but you can follow me. The tweets I do take responsibility for at the Craig Powers. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. That's all. All right. Well, go kooks, Craig. Go kooks. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter.